Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. It's a new year, and that means we've got a ton of social media headlines that we've got to dive into together. I want to start with Threads. Threads has had a ton of updates over the past month. The first one is going to, I think, excite a lot of the listeners and viewers who live in Europe, and that is that Threads has finally arrived in the European Union. So Threads was launched back in July, if I'm not mistaken. Prior to December 14th, users in the European Union could not access Threads. They can now. I've already seen some of my European friends hopping on, so that's been pretty cool. And it looks like the EU version of Threads actually is a little bit more flexible than the rest of the world. New Threads users in Europe can use the service without connecting their Instagram accounts. With that said, if you want to join Threads without also having Instagram or without having your Instagram connected, you are going to have some limitations in terms of features. Europeans who use Threads without a connected Instagram account can browse content on Threads, search for accounts, share content via link copying or platform sharing, and report Threads content, but they can't create a post or interact with content. So if you want to actually post threads, you do need that Instagram account connection. But uh, very interesting. I think this is just further signaling the fact that threads is a platform we should be paying attention to now that it has near global rollout. This is something that you can actually start talking to your clients about or actually using for yourself and getting that full reach as opposed to just kind of speaking to folks in the U.S., Now, they're also listening to some user complaints very early on, probably the first criticism that I saw about threads is that if you want to delete your threads account, you need to delete your Instagram account entirely. There was no way prior to very recently here to delete your threads account without also deleting Instagram, which has major, major, you know, issues. So it's, it's available now, which is very exciting. Meta has now fixed this issue so you can remove your Threads profile independently without affecting the one on Instagram. Now, there is also the option to deactivate, which was already an option. That was the previous option. Deactivating hides your profile and its content, sets your profile to private mode, and hides all of your posts and likes. And then you can always pick it back up and reactivate the profile if you would like to down the road. But deleting is going to actually remove your account completely, hide, and then permanently delete all your posts and replies. After 30 days, that deletion will be permanent. So they do give you a little bit of a grace period to be like, oh my gosh, I changed my mind, need to get back on. But I think this is going to make a lot of people happy who were concerned about the privacy aspect and the data and and all of that on Threads. So good news there. Another thing that it seems like Threads is listening to their user base about is this um, idea of Threads posts showing up across meta platforms. So I noticed this, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, I started to, whenever I would get on Instagram, I would see like Threads kind of previews, almost looking like you know, how a stories kind of feed up at the top looks. And this comes back to this issue that I've been talking about over and over again, month after month on this series is I think that Instagram, the visual Instagram users and threads, a a lot of former Twitter users, they're very different audiences. They're very different kind of social groups, if you will. And so 
I don't necessarily have anything to hide on threads. Obviously it's a public account and anyone can look for it, but sometimes my maybe brand of humor or sarcasm or, you know, writing style doesn't necessarily match the audience that follows me on Instagram. And I think a lot of people are feeling that same way. They're like, oh my gosh, why is this showing up on Instagram or Facebook where maybe a lot of our friends and family, you know, real life friends and family are. So anyway, they've listened. Meta appears to have listened to their audience and has launched a new setting that allows users to decide if and where they want to share their threads post. So to go ahead and do this, you just need to go to your threads profile page, tap the two lines, that kind of menu bar on the top right, then click on privacy. And then there was an option for suggesting posts on other apps. And then you can decide to toggle which ones on or off you would like. Now, with that said, just a little side note for all of my social media pros out there. You know, this is expanded reach. It's kind of like getting a Facebook ad for free. So if you have clients that are looking to grow their threads profile, I would definitely recommend keeping all of these on. It's free promotion across Meta's platforms. I can see why if you are a personal brand or just a human being who's posting silly things on threads, you wouldn't want that to go out necessarily to business connections or family or whatever. But I think if you're using this for business, as much as we might not like that kind of overexposed feeling, it is free advertising on Meta's platforms. So just keep that in mind. Okay, and to possibly the most exciting, definitely the most exciting piece of Threads news of the week, of the month, really, Threads has entered the API realm by enabling direct third-party publishing on the app. So this comes from Digital Information World. They are reporting that Threads is in the testing phase of opening up their API to enable publishing analytics, scheduling, things like that uh, to threads. So in other words, if you use a social media scheduler, if you're a social media manager or a small business owner, you should be. Right now, you can't schedule to threads because it's such a new app. They haven't opened up their API. That's kind of the, I guess for lack of better words, the password that these schedulers need to connect to a scheduler. So hopefully that will be coming soon across the social media schedulers and analytics tools just to make our lives a little bit easier. I cannot wait for this to come out because it is quite annoying to have to always pull out your phone. They do have a desktop app now, but it's just not a, not the same experience, you know? So that'd be really nice. And speaking of social media schedulers and analytics tools, my favorite is Metricool, and they are the sponsor of the Freelance Friday podcast. So thanks to them. You can always use the code Latasha for 30 days free on any of their premium plans. I'll leave a link for you down in the show notes, but they also have a really amazing free plan. It's free today, tomorrow, and for life. You should definitely check it out. Their free plan allows you to connect one brand across many social media networks. You can do things like access in-depth analytics, plan and auto schedule up to 50 pieces of content per month. You can promote your posts in seconds by creating and managing ads directly through the platform. You can view best times to see when your followers are more active and know when to post. You can review and reply to all important social media messages with Metricool's inbox feature. You can analyze up to five competitor profiles to spy on the brands that you like and so much more. They're always adding new features. I can just say that Metricool has helped my business so much over the past year, year and a half that I've been using this tool with analytics, with scheduling, with saving time. I highly recommend it. You can try out their free plan 
anytime, or you can use my code Latasha at the link below for 30 days free on any of their premium plans. I want to talk about a social media platform that we don't talk about very often on this show. It's Reddit. I don't even know if you would consider Reddit a social media platform. It's kind of one of those weird in-betweens of being like a forum, a social media profile, but we're just going to lump it in for today. Uh, some big news, actually. Reddit may be reaching for an IPO this year. Reddit is kind of, when I think about Reddit, I love Reddit. I am a Reddit power user. That is my social media platform of choice these days. Don't ask for my username because it's secret. It's private. Like that's what I love. It's kind of that last relic of the old internet, in my opinion, where it's not about what you look like. It's not about what content you're producing. It's just a place to chat and interact with other internet people, I suppose. And it's kind of like a college basement party. Like if I had to describe Reddit to somebody who'd never used it before, it's very casual. It's yeah, it's just, it feels like the old days of the internet. Well, social media platform Reddit Inc. is tapping Wall Street Bank's Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs group for its initial public offering. Uh, A source familiar with the matter told Reuters recently. They had confidentially filed for an IPO in December, and they are aiming for a valuation of over $15 billion at time of its flotation. It was valued at $10 billion in a private fundraising round led by Fidelity Management in August. So they want a lot of money to go public, or they, they want to be valued at a lot of money. We'll see how that goes. The reason I bring up kind of the casual format of Reddit is just because this was a little surprising to me. It kind of maybe scares me a little bit too of, okay, uh, you know, once they go public, are things going to massively change? Is the culture of Reddit going to change? Is it going to feel a lot more corporate? Are they going to be pushing even more ads? Who's to say, but we'll definitely be watching this one. It'll be interesting. Another platform we don't talk about very often. This is a bit of a Um, sad story, but it's very interesting. I think we need to know about it as social media professionals, as business owners, Snapchat. Let's talk about Snapchat. And I have to censor a little bit for YouTube. So read between the lines a bit, or uh, you can Google this story on your own, but families lawsuit against Snapchat, alleging that the platform enables people who sell illegal things has been allowed to move forward. So dozens of families in California are suing Snap Inc., the parent company of Snapchat. They're alleging that their children have obtained illegal substances through Snapchat. In all but two of these cases, the child became no longer alive after taking these things, um, which they allegedly obtained through Snapchat. So Some of Snapchat's features that set it apart from other apps like automatically deleted messages, geolocation functionality, and the My Eyes Only privacy feature make illegal activities harder to track and are especially attractive to these people who sell these things. Uh, That's what the lawsuit alleges. So Snapchat, I I didn't even realize that Snapchat was still a thing until maybe a year or two ago. And I was like, what's going on? And I guess it's a lot of very young people like Even whatever the generation is below Gen Z, I think it's like a lot of high schoolers, a lot of teenagers who are using Snapchat as a communication tool. They're not necessarily all publishing and creating content per se, but they're using it to communicate. And it sounds like um, it's becoming really easy for them to 
you know, get in trouble. And it just all comes down to who's responsible, right? And I think whatever happens with this will be an interesting precedent that gets set. Similarly, in some general social media news, there's a new social media law taking effect in Ohio just in the next couple of days. Starting January 15th, the Social Media Parental Notification Act will require companies like Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, and Meta, and X to get parental permission before anyone under 16 can join their platforms. There are a ton of laws and bills and proposals out there in the world about regulating social media for these young young folks. This is one that actually went through in Ohio. I'm curious what you think about it. Do you think that this is necessary? Would you let your children under 16 join any of these platforms? If you have children 16 and under, do you allow them on social media? I'd love to hear from you. I think this is a very hot topic. Let's go over to X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. It's not one of these episodes without it. We always say, okay, some some hot news. We're getting into just like the deep stuff right away. Um, Alex Jones, who is the founder of a, I guess you could say media platform, Infowars. He was ousted from Twitter a long time ago because of uh, terms and conditions violations from the original, you know, the original Twitter. Well, Elon Musk held a poll on his ex profile asking if he should come back. And it looks like close to 2 million votes were cast with about 70% voting in favor of his reinstatement. And so Musk said the people have spoken and so it shall be. If you've been following along with everything going on with X, several companies such as Comcast and Walt Disney have paused their advertisements on the platform because of just kind of extremist posts by the founder, Elon, or by the, see, what is he? Founder, owner? I don't even know his title. The person who owns Twitter, Elon Musk, and just other kind of fringe accounts out there. So I don't think this is helping their case. I think it's also really interesting the idea of kind of governing or leading by Twitter poll or X poll. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. Now, I definitely think there is something to say. We look at threads, for example, they are very active. All of the leadership at Meta from, uh, Zuckerberg to Adam Mosseri, they're all very active on threads, listening to feedback from users, clearly implementing some of that feedback. But I think this is taking it a bit in a different direction, right? They're not just posting polls that are kind of these like edge lordy kind of polls to to post. I don't know. Some features, some new features are coming to X though, or have come to X. X has added incognito mode controls for spaces hosts. So spaces is Twitter's sort of answer to clubhouse. If anyone remembers that one, it's the audio room feature. They're now allowing hosts to be able to toggle on or off whether users can join their spaces anonymously or not. And this ties into that story that we just talked about. Just recently, Musk took part in a spaces discussion with notorious conspiracy theory, Alex Jones, after he reinstated him, as well as controversial influencer, Andrew Tate. And this article from social media today is kind of saying, you know, a lot of people may have wanted to tune into those conversations, but may have not wanted to be associated with those folks or admit that they are listening to that. It's kind of that morbid curiosity kind of thing. So enabling people to join anonymously might increase the listenership in these rooms. Some other features that are a little less, less spicy, StreamYard 
has announced an integration with X in their live broadcast. So according to a, an X post, our cutting edge StreamYard integration lets you effortlessly display X live stream comments directly in your own stream. StreamYard is a tool that enables you to go live on YouTube or LinkedIn, kind of wherever. And it's really cool because when you're streaming on there, you can pull up your comments and display them on screen and stuff. I really like it. And they're uh, crossing over to X live stream. So that's pretty cool. And then the last feature that's just, I believe it's here. I checked my profile and it looks like it's actually uh, live now. They've created these media grids on X. This is a similar feature to an Instagram grid. If you click on your media tab in your X profile, you'll not be able to see this kind of rollable grid of images and videos that you've posted. It looks very, very similar to an Instagram feed and is just another way that they are playing around with the X feed and the X experience to make it a little bit more compelling. So there's that, that's what's going on at X. YouTube, let's talk about YouTube. Uh, one big story, which is pretty exciting for anyone who uses channel memberships on YouTube, channel memberships gifting is now expanding to all eligible monetizing creators. So you may have heard of channel memberships before, I had one maybe a year ago, I turned it off. I am just focusing on my Uscreen membership now, the Freelance Friday Club, which you can check out if you'd like to. Freelancefriday.club is where we do all of the bonus features, content, courses, meetups, all that stuff. I'll leave a link for you in the resources down below. But um, if you are not ready to jump onto you know, a platform like that, channel memberships is maybe something to consider. And YouTube is allowing you to now give batches of five channel memberships at a time for 10 total memberships out to your followers. So YouTube is really pushing memberships and it seems like they are wanting to allow you to give your audience this opportunity to sort of try before they buy. Sometimes, especially for something that's a recurring payment, people wanna know what they're gonna get before they get into it. So it's kind of like a trial, if you will. So that's pretty cool. TikTok, oh, TikTok. Okay, what's going on at TikTok? Uh, Peloton, this is very interesting to me. I'm sure we all know about Peloton. It's the stationary bike that really, really exploded. I think during, uh, you know, the Panini and all of that, it's bringing its classes to TikTok. So one of their big draws aside from the actual machine itself is that they have these kind of really engaging classes that you can watch from your bike and kind of have this group sort of experience, even though you're working out alone. Well, instead of only allowing it to Peloton bike users, the fitness brand will now show a mix of content in a new hub on the app called TikTok Fitness powered by Peloton. So it looks like they are shifting to creating content instead of just manufacturing this pricey workout equipment. Pelotons are expensive and I don't know if this is a reaction, a response to kind of the current state of the economy. I don't know if it is an attempt to reach younger users who typically do not have quite the amount of disposable income as somebody who's maybe a Gen X or an older millennial. Uh, but I think it's an interesting thing. We'll watch it and see how that goes. I think TikTok is also really welcoming these types of partnerships because as we've reported before, they're looking to expand their content, move towards longer form content. Of course, a workout is probably going to be longer than 10 minutes. So this will help them with advertising opportunities and, uh, you know, time spent on the app and things like that. 
Now, something they're doing that isn't so exciting to anyone using TikTok shop for their clients or for their own products, they're boosting seller fees. So one of the ways that they incentivized a lot of brands to get on the TikTok shop program, which is sort of this affiliate sort of shopping program uh, that TikTok rolled out not too long ago. One of the ways they incentivize brands to get on there is by offering a very, very low cut a very, very low fee structure. So the referral fee used to be 2%. And according to the information, the referral fee will shoot up to 8% and go in effect in six months. So that's quite a significant increase. And I think now is really make it or break it time for brands. They're going to need to see that ROI to decide whether or not they're going to keep moving forward with TikTok shop. LinkedIn. LinkedIn has announced some new tools to establish your voice with LinkedIn newsletters. LinkedIn newsletters have been around for a while, and I think they're pretty cool. If you have anything of a following on LinkedIn, if your potential audience is on LinkedIn, I think it's great because it just doesn't a lot. It doesn't require you to set up anything extra. You can have up to five newsletters for free. And Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've been actually wanting to start one for a long time, but I just, I got too much on my plate. So anyway, they've announced some enhanced features to make these even more successful for their users. Some of the new features include enhanced analytics, which is exciting. They also allow you to now easily duplicate an article draft. I really like this because I like to use my old newsletters as templates. I just duplicate each newsletter and then like fill in the blanks. And they're also introducing an improved article preview. So something to think about, especially when we think about this last story of the day, which is another platform that we don't talk about very often. It's Substack. Substack is a very cool platform. I had a Substack news Substack. It's very hard for me to say. Apparently I had a Substack newsletter. I guess I technically still do have it, but, um, it is kind of similar to the LinkedIn newsletter situation where you can have a living archive of your newsletters on a website. So like mine was wordsarehard.substack.com, but then you can also get people to subscribe to it. They also introduced late mid last year, I guess, sort of a Twitter competitor, a short form version of Substack. Uh, It's very popular among news folks, commentators, political commentators, as well as writers. And they've made a lot of those folks mad over this past few weeks. Newsletter writers with thousands of subscribers have threatened to leave the platform, which says that banning extremists make things worse. So in a note on Substack published in December, the chief executive Hamish McKenzie said that the firm doesn't like folks in hate groups. (laughs) Let's just sum it up that way for YouTube censoring purposes, and wished that no one held these views. But he said the company did not think that censorship by demonetizing sites that publish these extreme views was a solution to the problem and instead made it worse. So that's something I didn't mention about Substack as well as you can monetize your newsletters. So you can charge, you know, however much you want really for people to be able to read your newsletters. Again, I think we're just running into a very interesting time on social media where we have to set some precedent on these things. What, what are the rules? What can people get away with? How much censorship is necessary for public safety and how much is crossing the line? The good news is if you don't agree with them, there are alternatives. LinkedIn is allowing newsletters. 
Threads is out here if you're not into X. So there's lots of lots of platforms. I think choose the ones that do match up with your values or clients' values um, because there really is something for everyone. But let me know what you think as always. And thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope it was helpful. I will be back on the audio version of the Freelance Friday podcast on Monday for a new mini-sode. And I'll be back on YouTube uh, Tuesday, every Tuesday and Friday. Again, thanks to Metrical for sponsoring today's episode. Their link will be down below. Use my code Latasha for 30 days free. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.